Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. Dr. John Wallen, a professor of physics and astronomy, also leads the computational and data science doctoral program at MTSU. We'll find out what that's all about and how it works, but he also has developed an interesting sideline of late. He uses a particular kind of software to create pictures with text. Words with gaps in strategic places are arranged to make art. How math and computers make pictures and futures after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Adults looking to return to college to finish their degree or considering attending college for the first time will have the opportunity to have their questions answered by MTSU representatives at the Rutherford County Chamber of Commerce. As a part of the university's Finish Now event series, representatives from MTSU's University College will be on hand from 4 to 7 p.m. March 22nd at the Chamber, located at 3505 Medical Center Parkway. Degree coordinators, academic advisors, and admissions counselors from MTSU will talk with attendees one-on-one -on -one to answer questions about transferring prior credits, choosing a degree program, getting admitted to MTSU, and enrolling in courses to get started. And WMOT-FM Roots Radio 89.5 is digging deep into tradition for its newest weekly Americana music show, turning the spotlight on old-time and bluegrass music every Saturday morning with The Old Fashioned. Hosted by WMOT music news producer Craig Havikhurst and old-time fiddler and songwriter Amy Alvey, the 9 a.m. weekly program will air from the WMOT studios at 89.5 FM and stream at WMOT.org. The new showcase will mix new releases and live performances from current artists with reissues and historic tracks, some culled from the priceless archives of the internationally recognized Center for Popular Music at MTSU and its Grammy-winning label, Springfed Records. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. John, welcome. Thank you for spending some time with us here. Thanks. Very nice to meet you, and thanks for having me on there. Oh, could you give us a definition of computational and data science? Sure. So computational science is that kind of gap between theoretical science and experimental science. So it's, in theory, when you're doing theoretical work, you come up with mathematical models, and you do these equations, and you do analysis, and you make predictions, but it's almost impossible to make predictions without using a computer to do simulations. Uh, and then this kind of allows you to bridge the idea between theory and the real world. So a good example of computational science might be uh, weather forecasting or developing new materials or predicting the effects of how galaxies collide together. All of those would fall into this area because you're using a computer as a primary tool for discovery. The other side of this is data science. And what's happened in the last few years is that the data sets available um, everywhere from on business sites to telescopes downloading terabytes and terabytes of data every day have gotten way beyond the ability to just use our standard analysis techniques. In the past, if you did an experiment, you'd get a notebook, you'd write some numbers down, and you'd, you'd maybe use a hand calculator to crunch this. But when you're generating 30 terabytes of image data every day from a telescope, you have to use specialized techniques to analyze the data. And that's really what data science is. It's the number two, data science is the number two job 
in the United States right now in terms of uh, popularity, availability, and everything else. So it's it's a huge in-demand area right now. And uh, the people in our program learn how to become data scientists. Um, I will also mention this is part of a much bigger effort, the Data Science Institute. Right now at MTSU, we have undergraduate degrees in data science at the bachelor's level and also in minors. We have a certificate program, a graduate certificate program in data science, which is just 12 credits, two semesters. You can get the certificate if you're already a professional. Uh, and we also have a master's degree in data science, which is coming online in the fall. Well, what are the requirements for obtaining a doctorate in the discipline? We're looking for people that have experience in computing and know how to program well. We're also looking for people that have a good mathematical foundation. So this should be about at the Calc 3 kind of level. And then we're also looking people for people that have experience within uh, a science domain. So this is in the College of Basic and Applied Science. So at the PhD, we're primarily focusing on scientific applications of data science. Uh, the master's degree is more tied to the business college as well. So it's not, it's not as restrictive. Uh, and the requirements for entry of that are a bit lower as well. So just to cite, uh, take an example from the real world, if you saw the movie Moneyball and you know the kind of calculations that went into uh, helping the Oakland A's become a more successful baseball team, or if you're watching a pro football game and you hear the uh, sportscaster talk about how the team uses analytics with the help of AWS, which has a lot of commercials in the game, that would be one particular use of the kind of uh, science that you're talking about. That is a perfect example. Uh, the Moneyball is one of my favorite movies because it's basically the triumph of data uh, as a way of making decisions. Uh, but this is used everywhere. Uh, in all businesses, they make strategic decisions about uh, what things are working and what things are not. I have some graduates that are working actually at Lowe's. So they're got their PhD in computational science before we were computational and data science. They became data scientists. They're working at Lowe's corporate headquarters and they do things like inventory management. So figuring out that if you put the hammers next to the saws, you sell more than if you put the hammers next to, I don't know, the pliers, I guess. I, I, I don't know what they're doing, but it's kind of magical. But these little things can earn companies millions and millions of dollars by doing just effective understanding of sales. So doing inventory management, understanding how to do all these different things. Also analysis of sales. Uh, other examples of this are things like the recommendation system in Netflix. That's another example of this. In science, we use it for trying to understand complex images. The, the amount of data being generated by scientific instruments is so incredibly high right now that there's just no way that we can keep up with it. Uh, so these specialized techniques of using statistics and analysis uh, are just ongoing themes. And it ties in things like machine learning and statistics and all these other things as well. So yeah, the money ball is perfect though. That's exactly, exactly what we do. Or as they use it in the NFL uh, to determine the probabilities of, of how effective certain plays would be on third down and 14 from such and such a yard line. And you can, you can boil it down to that specific a probability. Exactly. Understanding uh, what the best strategy is and helping support making decisions. One of the ways we think about this is that if you just have data, all you have, raw data doesn't tell you anything. You have to go from data to making it useful information and then information, you have to turn it into understanding and knowledge, right? So just data doesn't do anything. 
understanding and knowledge is where you want to get to. And that takes a lot of techniques that include statistics and computing and, and all these other things. Other than entering academic life, what advantage would the holder of a doctorate have over someone with a master's degree in this discipline, in the, in the labor market? I'm specifically talking about the, dis dis uh, the difference between having a master's and having a doctorate. Getting a bachelor's degree in data science is very employable. So you do not have to go for a PhD. There's no you know, real compelling reason why you need to go for a super advanced degree. Master's, I think there's a significant advantage for master's degrees. So a master's degree is equivalent to about three years of experience. Um, so that allows you to, to kind of have that kind of jump when you're going into the workforce. The master's degree gets into more real world problems, more advanced topics, things like that, that, that really help you you know, run a small group in a company. PhDs are a little bit different. So the reason you have a PhD is to advance data science. It's not just to be a data scientist, but it's to advance the field of data science, which means using new cutting edge techniques to that you develop or apply into data sets that have never been touched before. So you're not just using existing techniques, you're creating new techniques. Now, you know, both economic and just career reasons why you might want to do that. I, I love the development of new techniques. I love the creation of new science and, and new ways of analyzing data. Uh, a lot of the projects I work on uh, are associated with data science. I, as an example, one of the things I'm working on as a project is analysis of ancient Greek manuscripts. Now I'm an astronomer, okay? So this is way outside my field, but I got involved because of a project about 10 years ago that was involved in crowdsourcing. We were doing crowdsourcing of galaxy images and galaxy simulations. We were also doing crowdsourcing of ancient Greek manuscripts where you would click on a letter and then you'd analyze, we'd go afterwards and analyze how many people clicked on that letter in an online image of a Greek manuscript. And I wrote the software uh, in collaboration with other people to, uh, to determine whether that's an alpha or beta or gamma. I don't read Greek, but I can, I can recognize alphas and betas and gammas. And then we took it to the next step and we actually did uh, alignment to try and determine what these Greek manuscripts were. So we were actually using this idea of figuring out like decoding it and seeing if it's a known Greek manuscript. And um, for that, we actually used a bioinformatics technique. We took something out of biology and brought it into ancient Greek letters. And now we're doing character recognition using machine learning to automatically do this without crowdsourcing. This thing about taking data science and applying it to new fields is something you do with a PhD. There's not somebody that's going to probably do this with a master's degree. The advantage of getting a PhD for the business world is you can kind of run a data science operation. So, you know, my students are, are leading research groups within companies uh, and leading research groups that, that work on this. We have people that are, uh, one of the chief data engineers at, at Oak Ridge National Laboratory is one of our graduates. And we have people that have worked at St. Jude's uh, in high performance computing out there. So the industrial benefit you get is that you, you probably will end up leading a group or doing the very cutting edge techniques. You're not gonna be doing the same boring stuff over and over again. You're gonna be finding new solutions for companies. It's an amazing field because it's, it has, touches everything right now in society. So much of everything we have is digital data. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. 
All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about the computational and data science doctoral program at MTSU with the man who heads it up, Dr. John Wallen, who is a professor of physics and astronomy. What kinds of careers are available for graduates of the program? Just rattle off a few. There's really three options. There's working in industry, there's working in government laboratories, and there's working in in academic settings where you're a professor. And uh, one of the things people do is they often get a postdoc or temporary like two or three year uh, position at a university or at a uh, government laboratory uh, where they do that for two or three years and then they go and get an academic job. And so some of our students, I'll just give you some idea where our students are employed. We have one student that recently graduated that, that's working at Brown University as a postdoc. He actually got an offer at Harvard, so I'm very proud of him. And we have another student that's working at the Ohio State University. We have students working at Oak Ridge National Laboratory uh, and John Hopkins. Uh, And we have students working at um, a number of universities around the country and actually around the world uh, as as professors. Um, It turns out that we actually have three of our graduates are MTSU professors right now. We have two in computer science and one in mathematics. Um, before they actually came here, I should mention, they went out and got postdocs at, at other places. They worked about four to six years outside of the university, got additional experience, um, and then they ended up you know, going through a competitive, very competitive process before they were hired. This is not some, they graduated, we just hired them. That's not what happened. They, they went through a competitive process, an open search, nationwide open search, and they ended up being the best qualified people uh, to bring them in. Is there a limit on the number of people that can enter the program? I mean, do you, do you have a cap? Do you have to have a cap? For the PhD program, um, we have about 35 to 40 students at any given time. The thing that limits us is actually the funding we have uh, in terms of graduate assistantships. About half, uh, a little more than half of the students have uh, a graduate teaching assistantship or a graduate research assistantship. They pay for grad school. The salary you get is about $1,500 a month or about $18,000 a year. And you also get a tuition waiver. This allows people to go to grad school without going into debt, without having to work external jobs. And um, it allows you to do this. It is not a great wage. But in exchange for that, we have them teaching labs and math courses and doing help rooms and, and things like that. So they're supporting the academic mission of the university. For the university, this is a great deal, by the way, because the amount of money that we're paying the GTAs is lower than we would pay an adjunct professor or, or other things. And we get a lot of useful help on the academic mission of the university. Uh, and we also get the PhDs as well at the end of it. Self-funded PhD students are rare, and anybody that's thinking about a PhD should think about what is the university that you're applying to going to do to help support your degree. In terms of faculty resources, we have about 35 or 38 faculty right now that are associated with the program, and they're in eight different departments. So they're in physics, mathematics, 
computer science, chemistry, biology, engineering technology, and agriculture. The PhD is a research degree. So you have to, um, in addition to the classwork, you have to publish two papers. You have to give two talks at uh, external conferences, and you have to help your advisor with uh, a proposal to the National Science Foundation or a similar agency. We'll take another break right here. We'll be right back. And we'll talk about Python word art, which has nothing to do with snakes on MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERRA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERRA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERRA, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Dr. John Wellen is our guest, a professor of physics and astronomy and the head of the computational and data science doctoral program at MTSU. And these next questions are regarding a post that I happen to see at www.instructables.com. John posted it there under the heading Python Word Art. John, can you explain how you got started with this application? Basically, the Instructables website is, is a site for people that make things. And they have instructions and you know, user-written tutorials on everything from knitting to baking cookies to doing woodworking to doing electronics to doing computer programming. And for the last couple of years, I've been you know, submitting things to the site. And um, I like to do contests uh, on the site. So they actually have contests and you can enter different projects in that. And um, I've made you know, laser etched astrolabes and I've done woodworking projects and there's a gardening project that I did. And um, I've submitted about a dozen of these different uh, projects. Anyway, this, this one came up as a one hour of code contest. Basically, the idea of it was to write something really fast uh, that demonstrates some cool things in programming. So Python, the language Python, is something that I use every day. I use it in all my projects. I use it in all my classes. Um, so I, I decided I would just write something fast. And the idea is to just take an image and then using the, the, the grayscale tones of the image, overlay the words from a book on that and have gaps where there's, a, where there's light parts and words where there's dark parts. And... Um, it was really just kind of a lark. It was, uh, when I turned my finals in, I was just burned out and I just kind of sat down and wrote it the next day because I just felt like it. And I entered a contest uh, with it. And I'm a finalist in the contest, so that's kind of fun. I've seen pictures like this on the internet before. So it's 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 not new, this yeah. this type of art. Is, is it new to use it with the Python software in particular, or is that just what you use the most in other areas? Yeah, I think that probably anybody doing this is probably doing it with something similar. Uh, and you know, the, the purpose of the contest was to demonstrate cool uses of code. 
And uh, so I just decided I'd write this up and, and play with it a little bit. It's things that I've seen before as well. So I saw pictures of it before and I thought it would be really fun to try it. So I just kind of did. It, uh, it was really just kind of a spontaneous, uh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to enter the contest. So let me write something up kind of thing. It was, <laughs> it was really uh, unusual. You picked it up, actually. I was surprised by that. So what, what do you judge the quality of the picture on? Do you judge the code itself? Do you judge the uh, complexity of the picture? Do they, they judge how much text you use? What are the parameters here? The contests are judged by other members of the Instructables community, and they can kind of judge it on whatever they want to. The typical criteria that they use is, you know, how innovative it is, um, how well the write-up is done, how well it's explained, the quality of the overall work, um, things like that. So it's kind of a nebulous thing, but it's basically effectively like an art contest. Um, so I view this, the site as kind of one of my ways of doing artistic expression. So it's basically just me writing some fun things up and doing it. And as I said, I use Python all the time. We, the projects I'm working on, I mentioned the ancient Greek manuscript work that we're doing. I also work on galaxy simulations. I, and one of my students just graduated last week uh, doing galaxy simulations and doing analysis and doing automatic machine learning associated with the galaxies and genetic algorithms for, for, for modeling that. Uh, and then the other project I work on is augmented reality. So I do augmented reality simulations. We have an NS National Science Foundation grant on using augmented reality to teach introductory science labs. So augmented reality versus virtual reality, you put, this is a wearable device uh, and you can see through it uh, and see the world around you, but you also see basically holograms that are imposed in your world. So you can have like a uh, full moon and you can see what the moon looks like from different angles and you can have the earth and the moon and the sun and look at the different angles. So in terms of visualization, it's fantastic. Uh, and uh, that's an, on, again, an ongoing project. So science can be fun. I, I love coding. And I, I mean, like I, I, I love, uh, I love the, the creative process of writing code. And the creative process of exploring data. Give me a data set and you know a Python notebook, uh, Jupyter notebook, and I'm I'm happy for hours. <laughs> so back to the so the word art. If you create the picture and you're trying to create, say, a dog, and you realize you screwed up. I left off the dog's nose. Oh no! What did I do? How do you how do you know where where and how to correct the code to, so that the dog can get a nose? So the, the thing that the code does is it just takes um, an image you give it. So the images that I, I made were just simple sketches I found from the internet. And it just literally does a computer process of overlaying it automatically on top of it. Now you can do some things like adjusting the threshold and doing some filling in in the image if you really need to, to, to make it look a little bit better. But um, it's basically just an automated process for just putting the gaps in the right location. So, you know, the, the, the thing that I did is the picture on the, the front of this is Alice in Wonderland. And there's a picture of Alice uh, and the words are from Alice in Wonderland. It's actually, so it, it shows this picture of Alice that was, I guess, a uh, John Tenniel uh, image that has been redone as, uh, as the words from, from the Alice in Wonderland book. So for the Scrooge, when you took the words from A Christmas Carol? Exactly. Exactly. And then uh, the, there's a picture of a kind of a monster that's a Jabberwocky. So I just took the poem Jabberwocky and used that as well. So, yeah. 
So it was just, like I said, it was, it was really just kind of me playing. Uh, I, I, I love doing these kind of creative processes. Multi-talented fellow. Um, you know, it's, my wood shop has, has robots in it. So like I have automated things so I can, uh-huh. I can program them too. So that's kind of fun. The, the word art seems like a relatively inexpensive undertaking. You just have to have Python and understand code, right? Yeah, the only thing you need, uh, so if you want to make a, a large print, you might have to go to you know, FedEx or something like that or, or the campus printing shop to do that. But for just doing simple prints, yeah, it produces a PowerPoint document and then you can just, you can just view it. Um, it produces you know, a really large PowerPoint document if you have to have lots and lots of words, but for making large format text images, PowerPoint seemed like the way to go. And there's a nice Python library and I could use that. And the way in which all of these things that you've mentioned uh, relates to your academic discipline is pretty obvious. I think you've tied it all together very well. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. So the thing that people think about science that's wrong is that science is not a creative process. Science and data science is extremely creative. Um, You're constantly trying to understand the best way to design things, the best way to implement things how to put it together, how to understand things, making the visualization. The, the best feeling is taking some data together and putting it together and then plotting it and saying, oh, that's interesting. That's, that's just a, that huge breakthrough uh, of saying, wow, that's really interesting. Um, is something that's hard to capture uh, in other fields. Um, and, yeah, the, the stuff I do just in terms of my creative projects are the similar thing. Like, let me try taking this and applying it this way. Let me try, you know, applying some computational technique that doesn't belong in making art and use it to make art. Let me try using something from bioinformatics, which is designed for gene sequencing and apply it to ancient Greek manuscripts. Um, because that's just where, where the fun lies, is crossing disciplines and going back and forth between different fields. Dr. John Wallen is a professor of physics and astronomy and the head of the computational and data science doctoral program at MTSU. Our own cross between Neil deGrasse Tyson and Steve Kornacki. <laughs> kind of embarrassed, but okay. I don't think that's there. It was you. a compliment. Honest, it was oh, a compliment. No, no, it's, it's fantastic. It's like so far beyond me, but okay, that's great. <laughs> Thank you for being with us on MTSU on the record. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. With family, colleagues, and former students looking on, Dr. Andrew Owusu recently accepted the John Pless Faculty Award, 
the 26th black faculty member presented the honor, named for Dr. John Plez, Emeritus Professor of Psychology. Owusu, a professor in the Department of Health and Human Performance and graduate director for the Public Health Unit, reflected on his interactions with students throughout his career. What I hope is that my interaction with them, be for a day as master or several years, may lead to a foundation that's just a bit stronger, so that when they run into unexpected challenges, they'll be able to persevere, because those challenges will surely come. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.